0: This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broken Front Wings, the F1 podcast on energy sport. We have just had the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix at Imola and wow, what a race.
1: Yeah, it was definitely an interesting race to see. the least. Max Verstappen had a very well-earned victory. And the gap between those two and the points and the standings is only one. So, yeah, definitely very close going into the third round in uh, Portimao next uh, two weeks' time.
0: Yes, I think it was almost confirmation that we do have a fight on our hands this year. Which I think yeah. everyone will be very happy about.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it made me really happy at the beginning of the race to see um, a Mercedes with two Red Bulls on either side. Um, definitely proves they didn't have the best race. Um, Pierre, um, sorry, Sergio Perez has definitely proved that he's got what it takes to race at the front and can, um, can cope under pressure. although he did make some few kind of silly mistakes. Um, today, um, as you say, we've definitely got a good title fight on our hands. Um, yeah.
0: Yes. Um. Obviously, Sergio Perez had a few mistakes today. Mercedes also did not have a good day at all did they I mean we had not really no we had Valtteri Bottas had an incident with George Russell which has been declared a racing incident by the stewards resulting in a huge crash that brought out the red flag and stopped the race Lewis Hamilton connected with the barriers before putting on a fantastic fight back to finish in P2 not the best yeah, but... for the champions
1: no, it was definitely not. I think Martin Brundle at one point said that Mercedes had lost three drivers in one lap, which is true because obviously George Russell's um, heavily connected and heavily tied into the Mercedes program. Um, yeah, I think the racing incident decision probably is fair because it was kind of both of their fault. Um, And Lewis Hamilton, it was a quite rare mistake from him. We don't really usually see him making uh, mistakes, but it looks like he just lost it in the tricky conditions. But was able to get the engine running and not get stuck in the gravel and was lucky with the resulting red flag that he was able to um, crawl his way back up to second place.
0: Mm. And I guess there has been some debate about the incident between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. Uh, George Russell firmly thinking that it's Valtteri Bottas' fault. He said he moved across just enough to put George Russell off and Given my huge yeah. tank slapper. what? What did what did you make of that incident?
1: It was definitely interesting. Cause you definitely saw Valtteri Bottas move, and George Russell flinch, but it was quite close. Um, George Russell could have quite easily done that, even if Valtteri Bottas hadn't, because the edges of the track will be more slippery than the center parts. Um, and just a one tiny part of your wheel on the track, and then just spinning, and because they were so close to each other, if either one of them spun, it would have resulted in tears, like it did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think a racing incident, as I said, was fair but it was quite funny because it was very much from Bottas's eyes it was George Russell's fault and from, from George Russell's eyes it was very much Baltic Bottas's Bottas' fault. Mm. And um, yeah, those two weren't very happy with each other with Baltic Bottas giving Russell the middle finger as they <laughs> walked away, which I saw was uh, quite funny and George Russell slapping his helmet. So yeah, definitely um, emotions were running high at that point.
0: I think it was a tricky incident to call because of course at the point where it happened the track does naturally curve to the right, yeah, which made it really tricky to kind of gauge actually what happened or who was at fault so I think I tend to agree a racing incident was
1: probably the
0: way of the best way of doing it
1: Yeah, I think I saw it was quite funny that George Russell commented um after afterwards when I think talking to uh, Sky Sports F1, he said that he thinks that Valtteri Bottas wouldn't have reacted in that way if it was a different driver. So either that's just George Russell just saying that because he's annoyed or maybe there could be some tension between those two because Valtteri Bottas feels that his seat's under threat from George Russell. Definitely uh, food for thought.
0: I think, I think that was a little bit of a jibe from George to
1: keep try and keep Valtteri on his toes. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Because um, George had a really good performance in Sakhir when Lewis Hamilton was down with COVID at the end of last year. And, um, yeah, he really gave Walter Bottas a run for his money and very nearly won the race.
0: He did. Uh, George Russell very much the uh, the man-in-waiting at Mercedes for when either both Bottas or Hamilton are moved on. So, get, getting into some of the more details of the race, who is our driver of the day? For me, I would have to argue the case for Max Verstappen He was supreme, and he was frankly untouchable during the race today.
1: Yeah, I definitely think he is a contender for driver of the day. I think he did come in second, just looking at the on-screen graphics while watching the race. Um, My personal driver of the day, even though he is my favourite driver, but I promise this decision isn't biased, is uh, Lando Norris. Um, That is is a very strong shout. Yeah, I think he did win the driver of the day, but I think maybe because he is very popular with fans, so is Verstappen. And Lando Norris had a great race. He started on seventh and uh, worked his way up to third. Um, yeah, he definitely did uh, a cracking job. Didn't have the best of starts, but he, he had an amazing. Um, he really held off Lewis for a lot longer than I thought. Um, when I saw Lewis was closing in on him and had the I was like, "Oh, that's it." Um, but he really held on to the soft tires, which are really struggling after twenty laps. Um. And he held off Lewis for about four laps. I think Lewis had four, I think it was four attempts on Lando Norris before finally getting into second place. So it was really, although Lewis Hamilton, many people mostly, he's in second place and go, oh, of course. But in my mind, this was really a hard fought second place. He did really earn this one and work for it. And Lando Norris had a did a great job and made him work for it. He didn't just give it to him.
0: I was very impressed with Lando's defending. I like very much. Enjoyed the presence in mind from Lando to try and make Lewis go around the outside, every lap. It was I think rather he covered off the inside every lap to prevent Lewis diving down the inside onto the racing line, and he made sure that if Lewis wanted that overtake, he was gonna have to work for it, and he did eventually. But that it was a spectacular battle, and Lando kept his head under huge pressure from Lewis. Oh yeah,
1: he's. You have to remember that Lando Norris is still pretty new to the he's only 18 months older than I am which is um, something that's quite crazy to think about um, and yeah he's this is his third year he's done really 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 well um, at his time at McLaren he got a podium at the first race last season so we've, we know that he's um, a proven podium finisher He's he's really good under pressure as you say and a lot of drivers potentially would have flinched having Lewis Hamilton dive at you four or five times but London Ross was very able, um, and very capable to hold him off until the inevitable came. Um, but I think if he was on soft tires, I'm sorry, on medium tires, um, he p- potentially could have held on to second place. Um, I think the decision to put him on soft tires was a good one for McLaren. I think if he was wasn't on um the softs, he would have struggled initially out of the pits and would have struggled to hold off the. Variety of Charles was there. um, but yeah, it was interesting because tires were really struggling by the end of it, complaining about vibrations and things like that. I think a couple of times he accidentally pressed the clutch as well, so we all kind of had a um a sinking feeling, thinking that he was going to have technical problems.
0: Mm. I think the the decision to go on soft tires was definitely the right one. It sort of it made him instantly able to try and get Leclerc off the line succeeded because he was able to get the tires fired up and back in temperature range much quicker than the ones on and those on mediums were um with the exception of Max Verstappen who took off like a scalded rat after
1: that safety car restart oh god yeah he um he was really flying um and i think if landon norris hadn't held off lewis hamilton for so long i think he would have been a threat um sorry the ferraris would have been a threat and I think he probably could have lost third place if, um, Lewis maybe got past him on the first or second try. So, yeah, he really showed what he's made of, London Earth. Um, definitely my driver of the day, without a doubt.
0: Well, I think my my driver of the day is Max Verstappen. He won the he won the race by twenty two seconds. Lewis Hamilton took the fastest lap of the race, which gave him the point for fastest lap. And ensures that Lewis Hamilton goes into the next round leading the championship by one point. We definitely have a fight on our hands. And I sincerely yep. hope that Max Verstappen has more races like he did today. And possibly at some point in the season when it's convenient for the championship if Lewis Hamilton's pulling away. I hope he has more races like he did today.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I, think I said this going into the season. Like I honestly don't care if Lewis Hamilton wins again as long as it's close and i think the problem that red bull have had in the past is that they've not necessarily turned up to the first few races and just allowed mercedes to get ahead Um, and they've not had that second driver to back them up and to kind of pick up from if max track makes a mistake this second driver hasn't been there Um, as much as i like pierre gasly and alex albon the two of them haven't been the perfect second driver but i think they do have that now and they have turned up to the first few races um, and Mercedes, I don't think are necessarily having problems, I just think that Red Bull are a lot better and a lot closely matched to them, so I think we definitely have an interesting, at least first few races even if Mercedes pull ahead, I think we do still have a um fair few um good races on our hands
0: I certainly hope so, moving on from driver of the day, it's not just an individual effort,
1: who was your team of the day? Well I think it probably has to be McLaren um if, again, <laughs> <laughs> again not biased um, and not totally not because Londoners was my favourite but I think if you look at where they were Land- Daniel Ricardo, um, he had a decent enough race it wasn't particularly bad, it wasn't particularly good started doing 6th and finished 6th um, did what McLaren probably would have expected um, he was in front of Londoners at one point but team orders they just had to swap them round and that was a very good decision. I don't think Daniel Cardo quite had the pace and within a few laps, Lando had like a 10-second lead on him. Um, I think they just they made great strategy calls um, and the, the combined effort of the, t- the two drivers um, was probably one of the better ones. I think if Sergio Perez had done better, I probably would have said Red Bull, but in my mind, McLaren were probably my team of today.
0: Well... I have to say I slightly disagree. For me, I think the team of the day were Ferrari. They managed a fourth and fifth place finished. Very close to the podium and in fact were in the podium fight, which is a huge step forward from last year. So I think for me Ferrari were the team of the day.
1: Yeah, I think Ferrari definitely are were in contention when I was thinking about it. Um I think McLaren have obviously ed have kept third position in the uh the Constructors championship on they're on forty one points and Ferrari on thirty four, so it's definitely close. I think our third place battle this year will be between McLaren and Ferrari. The other teams might squeeze into that, but Aston Martin are on seven points in fifth, so it's definitely going to be um either hard for one of the other teams to to catch up or I mean it's only after second race, but I think that. Um, McLaren and Ferrari are are quite equal match, um, equally matched. Um, and I think they could both easily do third. So.
0: I, th- I think you're right. They do seem to be sort of very similar in pace. Ferrari seem to lose out on the straights a lot compared to McLaren, but pace wise they are very similar. And of course, you mentioned Aston Martin. They are considering legal action against the FIA as regards to, I think, the nature of the changes to the rules which have disadvantaged them. Whether that amounts to anything or not, we will have to wait and see. And I think once we know more about that legal action, that will be something we discuss in the podcast rather than going in blind at the moment. So, move of the race. Who, for Mm -hmm. you, was the move of the race?
1: I... It's really hard to say, but I'm probably gonna say Max Verstappen on Lewis Hamilton at the beginning of the race. Um, he had an amazing start. I think the the commentators were talking about the fact that he might have been in a slightly drier part of the the grid, but he just took off like a rocket. He was straight straight on Lewis Hamilton, got the slipstream, got past, got the job done, forced Hamilton onto the curbs. Um, and yeah, he he didn't do anything wrong. He just put the car on the racing line and Hamilton had to deal with it. He wasn't scared to do that either. That's what I really like about Max Verstappen. And um, yeah, so he definitely earned my move of the, the race for that turn. I think it was 2. And um, move on the first lap.
0: I would completely agree with you that was my move of the race as well. That was he gave you gave Lewis Hamilton just enough rope to hang himself with. He gave him the choice essentially, of do you want to go wide, or do you want to try it around the outside, and he tried it around the outside and he went wide, and it was brilliant car placement from Max Verstappen, he stuck to the racing line, and allowed Lewis Hamilton to screw himself over by going over the curbs and getting front wing damage. I think it was a a move that Hamilton would have been very proud of to do himself, arguably. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think um, the conditions, the severe lack of visibility in the first few laps yeah, definitely played a part. Um, Verstappen just put his car on the racing line, as I said, Um, and Lewis Hamilton had to deal with it. Um, definitely a very good move.
0: Yeah, the vi- the visibility off the line was absolutely shocking as well. I mean, we saw later on in the race, I think, a few laps in some of the onboards, you could hardly see anything. I think another standout move was, I think, was Lando Norris tried to go around the inside of two cars and nearly went into the pit wall
1: very early on in yes, the race. that was a uh, hairy That was a that hairy was definitely moment. an interesting one, yeah him yeah kind of sat up on that one a bit i suppose they...
0: but it's not always just about the good moments there was a fair few mistakes going on out there today so let's talk about who had shocker of the race In my view the person who had the shocker of the race i think sergio perez had an absolute shocker of the race he started from the front row yeah i would agree he overtook two cars behind the safety car didn't give the place back got a 10 second penalty Spun it when running in P4. And just, that would be one that Sergio Perez would rather forget, I think. After today, moving on to the next one very much in his mind already.
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, my um my, my shocker personally would probably be uh, Sebastian Vettel. He, he didn't have a brilliant qualifying, put it on 13th. But he was kind of just nowhere. He um I think they were having some break by wire issues. He didn't have his all his his tires in the car within five minutes of the start so they got a penalty. Yeah, he just he just didn't really have a standout performance. He his fastest lap was a one nineteen um zero and the fastest lap of the race was a one So, you know, he was quite a bit off the pace. Lance Stroll his fastest lap was a one eighteen nine. So the Aston Martin, although not not tremendously quick, wasn't as bad as it seems like if you only look at Sebastian Vettel, he, Vettel. Yeah, he just didn't really um have any standout performances, he just and it was nowhere.
0: Vettel, I think, was also suffering with gearbox problems as well. They retired him with a lap to go, so that they under the regulations, if they do that, they can fit the new gearbox to the car because the gearbox was broken. Yeah, Aston Martin had a lot of issues this weekend. Both of the cars uh, had the rear brakes on fire on their laps to the grid, so that's not going to be driver error or anything. That's that's a major issue on the car if that happens to both of them.
1: Um, yeah, I think, it was, uh, I think it was a problem with the brake-by-wire system, which is also the system that can... What brake-by-wire means is that when the drivers press the brake pedals, they're not directly controlling the brakes. So the car kind of, although it's mainly the drivers, the, the brake-by-wire system mainly controls the actual um, the brake the me- mechanism, I believe. I'm not entirely sure, but anyways, they had problems with their brakes, problems with their gearbox. It's just not much was going right for Aston Martin at this weekend.
0: No, it didn't seem to be. Looks of, if it doesn't rain, it pours for Sebastian Vettel by the looks of things, unfortunately, at the moment one of the oldest drivers on the grid, one of the wisest heads, but of course there is three rookies on this grid, so let's talk a little bit about them, how they fared this weekend. Let's start off with Mick Schumacher, who had a bit of an incident where he went into the pit wall, lost his front wing and had to trundle around for a couple of laps without the front wing under the safety car because has they've closed the pit lane to try and recover the damage front wing of his car. Minor incident on the whole, what did we make of uh Mick Schumacher's
1: performance this weekend? Um well, it, it was decent enough. He finished sixteenth, but that was second last after the retirement. Um put on eighteenth on the grid, so it wasn't too too bad ahead of his teammate, has of not really um put a out on developing this year's car because I think Gunther Seiner put it that they could spend a few million developing this year's car and then ultimately lose out on many more millions because they've, they're not able to develop next year as much. So it's a smart move for them uh, financially. They're a team who's struggling. Um, I'm not sure how many years left they have in Formula 1. I think they've got a few at minimum but after that it's kind of unclear. Um, Yeah. Next year they're going to have to, they're spending a lot of money developing next year. So their car this year pretty much is the same as last year, which was pretty terrible. Um, they're a team that are either doing very well or very bad. I think they had P4 one year, um, and they're now basically last or second last. Mick Schumacher, he seemed to get the most out of that half, and the most out of that half really isn't much. So he had a decent enough race other than just losing it but the conditions were quite hard and for a rookie to be put into those conditions in their second race, I think all three of them did an okay job.
0: I think what stood out for me is the fact that despite spinning, losing your front wing and doing a couple of laps without a front wing, Mick Schumacher still managed to finish ahead of his teammate. Nikita Mazepin, yeah, he, um... who had who had a spin and an incident which Martin Grundle begrudgingly said was not his fault after he crashed into Nicholas Latifi on lap one. What do we make of Mazepin's performance today?
1: It was, I suppose, what he needed. Um, He had a pretty awful first race. I think he lasted uh, three corners. This time he lasted a whole race. So, although he was last, he finished. Um, I think that's our expectations of him. I don't want to be too mean to the guy, but (laughs) our expectations of him pretty low he met them um yeah he the hat is pretty terrible as i say the conditions were hard he did well not to have too many problems in those conditions um yeah i think if he was if you looked at either of those races and you asked somebody who didn't watch any of them to say which one would he spin on lap three you'd look at this one because it was hard conditions rather than the one where the race was completely dry so yeah he did Okay. okay It just did okay, I think.
0: He he waited until much further into the race to have his customary spin, yeah. which, yes, which he spun at Aquiminerali, uh, in the latter stages of the race. I think he had. I mean, he had a fairly awful Friday in that he started the FP one with a spin and ended it with a crash, and then. On Saturday, he caused a bit of controversy when he ruined Antonio Giovanazzi's last yeah. qualifying run in Q1, which very much annoyed Antonio Giovinazzi. And that's kind of the second time he's riled up drivers in qualifying by not sticking to the gentleman's agreement. The gentleman's agreement being you, you just you don't jockey for position and try and get in people's way when they're either building up for a qualifying lap or they are on a qualifying lap and... The Keira Masbin overtook Antonio Giovinazzi at the start of his qualifying lap, which meant Antonio Giovinazzi had no choice but to abandon the lap and didn't make it out of Q one. He's got a bit to learn on that front and he's trying not annoy everybody by ruining their qualifying laps.
1: Yeah, he's a bit of a hot-headed rookie, it seems, and he kind of has to remember he's a rookie. He's in a second race, and um, he kind of just has to remember that he needs to play by the rules. He needs to kind of, as a rookie. He just needs to keep his head down and focus on just getting used to being in a Formula One car because these cars are incredibly powerful, a lot faster than an F two car and a lot um the brakes are a lot stronger, the arrows a lot stronger. They're just a lot different and a lot more to handle than an F two car, which he's used to. He's just got to remember that he was he had a few quick performances in F two. Um so he is a decent enough racing driver but he just needs to kind of get on with it and not piss people off. Um and piss people off he has done basically every day of the week it seems a driver very much involved in controversy on and off the track I don't think we need to talk about the incident um off the track that involves social media that we all know about but yeah he's certainly on track to be one of the most hated drivers in F one history <laughs> I think
0: I think that is very correct and the the other the other rookie involved Yuki Tsunoda he had a bit of a. He said he certainly could have been in contention for shock shocker of the race. You can he no he was one of my
1: contenders. Yeah, for sure.
0: He had a he had a crash in qualifying, which is not necessarily a huge crash speed wise or impact wise, but it was the angle that he went into the barriers that wrecked the back end of the car and meant he needed a new gearbox for the race. And then he made up ten positions in the race before he spun it after the safety car restart and then later on in the race got a five second time penalty for track limits now it is only his second race and he is a young driver but that was a bit of a shocker from him a good a learning experience for him
1: yeah week. i think i think he's definitely going to take a lot away from this i think we have to remember um when we analyze all the drivers. Is that Conditions today were quite challenging. Um the track was quite wet at the beginning of the race and as it dried, um just one tire on the the, the wet patch. you were on the slicks round and round you you went, um and potentially saying hello to the barriers, as many drivers did. Um yeah, he did a really good job. He started on twentieth after his to yeah, have a few fixes on his car, which resulted in him being put to the back of the grid, made up ten places as you say. He ultimately finished in thirteenth out of seventeen finishers, so he kind of worked his way back up. The Alfred Highway does have pace. It looks like a strong contender for maybe fifth or sixth place in the championship this year. That's my kind of wild speculation for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're going to do brilliantly, but I think they are at times going to show some good pace um, and potentially be third or fourth fastest. Um, yeah, it's a good car. He did good when he was not spinning, so yeah.
0: I think the AlphaTauri does look like a very, very strong card this year. I think they've had two races where they, they should have taken more from them, realistically. They had issues in Bahrain. and Yuki Shinoda obviously did take some points from Bahrain. and Pierre Gasly's taken some points here, which will be very valuable in the long run, but they they're, they have definitely left points on the table from the first yeah, two rounds of this
1: season, have Alpha Tauri. Interestingly, you mentioned Pierre Gasly. He was one of most drivers started on um, Inters. He and a few others started on full wets. I think it was maybe when they the Aston the Martins, maybe potentially Lance Stroll, or maybe when the Alpines... Yeah, Esteban um, Ocon started on Esteban Ocon, full Ocon wets that's what I was well. looking for. Those, those guys started on full wets. Esteban Ocon quickly came in and realised that um, Inters were the way to go, and they really were. Pierre Gasly was a sitting duck half the time. On those wets, and eventually they kind of admitted defeat and put them on inters. It almost seemed like they were in denial. They were like, Okay, wets are the best, and we're not changing our minds until it was too late. I definitely agree with you when you say they left points on the table, both races. That the Alpha Tiebre is quick, but it seems like they're, they're kind of throwing it away a little bit at times, and that's why I don't think that they can be. I think, um, fourth and fifth or, um, sorry, third and fourth are reserved for McLaren and Ferrari, and then I think of their. Lucky they could beat Aston Martin for 5th place if they turn up to enough races. The first two, they haven't really turned up. Um, they kind of came up, came with a rapid pace, but then didn't really capitalise on that, really. No, they, they did not. So, I did briefly touch on Alpine and Espanolcon. Um, What do you think of their performance? They finished 10th and 11th, started 9th and 15th. In my view, they did okay. They didn't do particularly good, they didn't do particularly bad. It was kind of just a... They, they finished in a point of rest of on, but it's only one point. Um, Yeah, what are your thoughts?
0: I, I think I would tend to agree. I think they did okay. It is points on the board for them. That car is not going to be the most competitive car that they ever build. Certainly, I think 10th and 11th was probably the maximum they could actually achieve today considering
1: everything Um... yeah i agree 10th and 11th i think i'm gonna i'm gonna throw something out there fernando alonso he's gonna have a couple of good races but i don't think he's gonna be as he's gonna i think people are expecting him to get on the podium i think he'd be lucky to get on the podium in that car it really isn't that great i mean they're currently six in the constructors championship ahead of alfa romeo and one point behind aston martin so looking at the constructors table you can kind of see in the top six you can see three clear battles Mercedes and Red Bull are close. McLaren and Ferrari are close. And Aston Martin and Alpha are close. I think their main battle is with Aston Martin. And I think, on pure pace, I think they're quicker than Alf Aston Martin. But both teams seem to not really be turning up. So I feel like that one, calling fifth place, could just be a rule of the dice, in my opinion. Yeah, the Alpines probably got the best livery, actually. I really like the, the look of the cart. It looks really, really smart. Mm. Um, But just not the fastest, is it?
0: No. I think the the pace of the car this year, of course, Fernando, you've only had really a day and a half of testing to prepare for this season before we get underway, so obviously he's going to be learning for the first two races he's had two years out of Formula One driving all sorts it's all about settling back in form this year really is all about settling back into Formula One and learning the ropes again for him before the huge rule changes next year, which is really what he came back for,
1: yeah, I think it is um I think I. For me, I just don't think that the, I think the the driver, he's shown that with, with when he was with McLaren, um even, you know, um when McLaren was not doing so well, you can have the best one of the best drivers, but if the car's not there, then there's just not much the driver can do. Um, I think it's going to be the same with Alpine. I think that the cars half decent at times, but even someone of his racing caliber can't really. Um do better than maybe I don't know, eighth, seventh or eighth place. Um when they have a good rest.
0: I would tend to agree with you on that. That is just about all we have time for this week. We will be back in two weeks' time with a preview episode for the Portuguese Grand Prix at Portimao Uh thank you very much for listening and taking the time to listen to us indeed. Uh, If you want more information on anything we've discussed, I think it's a fairly safe bet that both of us will have articles on the Energy Sport website at some point within the next couple of weeks for you to have a read and peruse of. But that's all we have time for. So thank you very much for listening. I've been Alistair Russell. Thank you very much. Goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.